I am so excited about today's guest because he, for me, define, uh, gives the definition in, in flesh and blood of audacity. And I'm going to illustrate uh, why that's the case. His latest book, and he's all in it, he published it a year ago, and he's writing a new one and getting ready to release that. I expect it to be out any day. We're going to ask him about it during today's interview. You're going to want to share this conversation everywhere. You're going to want to share it everywhere. Um, my guest today is uh, none other than the doc than Dr. E. Michael Jones, who authored the book. Get this for a title: Logos Rising. Now that's interesting enough, but listen to the subtitle: A History of Ultimate Reality. A History of Ultimate Reality. We're going to be talking to a genuine, internationally respected scholar today. As I say, be sure to share this uh, video everywhere. Dr. E. Michael Jones, I am so honored that you would take time to talk to me. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Good to be here. And uh, I, it's such, been such a blessing to me that you've made yourself so accessible over the last three or four or five years to the alternative media to the point where uh, a very simple search on practically anything related to your name or any of your book titles brings up uh, lots of podcasts and uh, v-blogs, you know, video uh, casts. And so people uh, don't have to read uh, every page of the Jewish Revolutionary Spirit. Don't which, say that. Don't which, say that. Which, which, runs, which runs to eight. They do have to read every page of the Jewish Revolutionary Spirit. <laughs> 1,800 pages, that would. 1,800 just... pages, you know. Yeah, and you just and you just uh, split it into three books instead of just one book. I'm I'm almost through the first version, the the the, the single book. But uh, Dr. Jones, how without uh, telling your whole story, and the reason I I would love to have you tell your whole story here uh, is from from uh, St. Mary's all the way up to the present. But I don't want you to because I mean it, folks. If if you're interested by this interview, just go Google Dr. Jones's name on YouTube or uh, 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 BitChute or Rumble or any of these platforms, and you can learn all about his his story. What I want to ask you, Dr. Jones, is um, what would be kind of the short version of how you got to the point where, where you would write such an audacious book, Logos Rising, A History of Ultimate Reality? I think a, a lot of it had to do with the, the traveling that I've been doing. Uh, there, uh, right around, I don't know, around 2013, uh, I was invited to Iran. I went there and then I went back there a number of different times. And I was confronted with a, a, a completely different culture, uh, uh, an Islamic culture, but more uh, the, the hidden grammar there was uh, Persia, the Persian culture with an Islamic overlay and a group of people who were on the cutting edge of uh, the movement of Logos in human history. And I'm talking about 1979, which was an incredibly important year, which I discussed in Logos Rising, where basically the entire world uh, came up with a, a, a rejection of materialism. Re, uh, the Iranians uh, rejected American materialism uh, when the Ayatollah Khomeini arrived in Tehran in 79, in February. And then four months later, uh, Pope John Paul II uh, said mass in Poland, which at that time was an officially atheistic country. And uh, that was a rebellion against the Soviet uh, form of materialism. 
So I've been traveling around to these different cultures. Uh, I had been to India, spent a lot of time in India, had spent time in Africa. And I realized that we were in a position where we technologically, uh, we could talk to anybody in the world now, uh, as we're doing right now. Uh, and we had a language. Uh, the language is English. It's become the lingua franca for the entire world. It's one of the benefits of the American empire, which uh, was like most empires, a bad idea uh, based on economic exploitation and the murder of lots of people. But uh, God has a way of taking good, uh, taking evil and turning it into good. And so we now were able to talk to people all over the world. Now, what are we going to talk about? Uh, up to this point, it was pretty much uh, uh, how much does it cost? And I'll take seven or something like that. It was it was a basically a mercantile discussion. Uh, Hollywood had had become the propaganda ministry of the United States, and that proposed all sorts of uh, possibilities for discussion about sex uh, and other things. Uh, uh, but did we have the ability to speak on any deeper level? And I felt that we did. I, I, I am an optimist when it comes to uh, human potential. And I felt that uh, what we needed was a basically a book that would allow us to get to the fundamental basis of what it means to be a human being, the fundamental basis of reality, and then start building up from there. And that's why I wrote Logos Rising. Well, when I, I haven't, had, uh, I own the book and I've started reading it. Uh, it, it blew up in my brain like a nuclear bomb uh, because uh, it came uh, with so much hope. As I, I love the title because been a Christian my whole life and I knew what Logos was. I also took an undergraduate degree in, in philosophy. So I knew a, a bit about Logos as a Greek concept and John 1 1. But you took all of that. And for me, when I listened to you online on the alternative media, you helped me understand that this, that knowledge, those principles, um, can bring hope to us in the midst of this uh, attack by the COVID cult, and, which is changing everything all over the world. And making every, the chaos, of course, is, is bringing about a lot of fear and a lot of uh, the sense that we're not going to be able to fix this. And you don't come, you don't feel that way at all, do you? No, I think that everything that happens happens for some good purpose. I think that's that's part of what we believe as as Christians, because God is in control of human history. The Greeks who came up with the idea of logos did not know that there was a God who created the universe. They didn't know about creation. Aristotle didn't know about. It. He thought the world was eternal. They didn't really know about history. Uh, as some type of forward movement of Logos in history. History was basically geometry. I think that's pretty much, pretty much what it was, geometry and mathematics. It was these static patterns, and it was epitomized by Plato's forms. And those forms lived, were in eternity. And uh, they were, that was truth. And if you wanted to know the truth, you had to go to that realm. Nobody knew where it was. Uh, but you had to go there and contemplate forms. And this life on uh, this earth was chaos. Mm. So you had the form up there and the chaos down here. And uh, it, I, I bring this out in the book I just finished. This is a book on aesthetics because that had a profound uh, implication for art. Because basically uh, the, the epitome of art would be the Greek temple, 
where you had those forms like triangles and circles and, and squares, and you imposed it on matter, which was inert, uh, like stone. And then you cut, when you had this combination of matter and form in the form of temple, it became a sacred space, and that's where you worship God. And so you have the Parthenon. Well, Christianity changed all that because now Logos is a force in human history. And, and so uh, every aspect of human history is part of a drama that is going to have a happy ending because God is in control of that. So that's r room for optimism. But it also gives us a kind of challenge because we have to see what good is being proposed here when we're constantly confronted with evil. Mm. And generally, the good is consciousness because that is the basis of all, uh, let's say, uh, reform. You first have to understand what's going on. And then if, if you're lucky, you can mobilize people politically and then they can bring about a reform. Yeah. So I think this is what happened with COVID. COVID was, uh, um, everyone was blindsided by COVID. We're used to uh, medicine. We're used to trusting medicine. We're used to trusting science. And suddenly we're getting messages that just don't compute. I mean, we're getting, uh, uh, Anthony Fauci changes his story about twice every day. It's wear masks, it's don't wear masks, it's we're all going to die, it's there's hope. And and I think that what, what, what the good that came of this, and this is also part of Logos Rising, is that you understand science uh, can be weaponized, which is what is happening here. And secondly, you can understand how science fix it, fits into the big picture. Because I'm saying it's part of the big picture, but it's not the entire big picture. And that's a revelation because for a long time people have been saying it is the big picture. Mm -hmm. And that was the, the materialism that I was talking to you about before. That uh, all ultimate reality, and I'm talking about a guy as late as Bertrand Russell, who was the big uh, philosopher in the English-speaking world in, in uh, the 20th century, and he actually believed that ultimate reality was little balls called atoms, and they were in your brain, and they were every place else, and they bumped together, and that was ultimate reality. Uh, well, I mean, there's a whole chapter in this book on Heisenberg's principle of uncertainty. He, Bertrand Russell found out about Heisenberg, obviously, in 31, when he won the Nobel Prize, and that undermined his, ent his entire world theory, and he, by that time, he didn't really care one way or the other because he had given up on being a serious uh, philosopher by that point. He was a popularizer. So I'm saying the, the, good, the good news is that uh, history is a story, and God's the author of that story. And we know that God has to be good because he couldn't be God if he weren't good. And so everything he touches is good, and that goodness is so powerful that it will overcome any evil, any evil that man can come up with can be overcome by God's power. He knew that. He knew that from the beginning. There was no beginning in God. He knew all of human history is a, a completely formed plan, already complete in God's mind. He knows. He knew that you were going to do something really bad on this date. He knew how he was going to compensate for that. And so it's that. that's the big picture that I'm trying to convey uh, in Logos Rising. My mind is racing a million... Uh 
uh, whatever a second, but I want to jump in here and say I'm sure that Charlotte Iserbeet would want to be remembered to you. I was with her last week in her home. She told me you've stayed there once or twice. Yes, God and, bless her. I, we had a yeah. nice week uh, up on that beautiful river up there in uh, in Maine. A beautiful time we had. Give my regards to Charlotte. I will, and I live not far from her on the same river, near the same river. I, I can't see it from where I am, but Maine, Dr. Jones, Maine. Uh, you've helped me to learn more than most other sources uh, about someone named Wilhelm Reich. And I really want uh, to make sure that in this time that I have with you, I explore him uh, completely. Because in Libido Dominandi, another book that you've written, and, and another aside here, folks, uh, Dr. Jones has written, what, 60 books or more? Anyway, I wouldn't. I, I, it depends on whether you count ebooks, but no, not sixty for sure. I haven't written sixty books. If if you count the ebooks, I've probably written forty. Okay, forty books, and those were available on Amazon until uh, about a a year ago, and because Amazon just out of the blue canceled Doctor Jones and your Amazon account, and so you were no longer able to uh, sell books using their service, and. The other th point I want to make here before we segue to Reich is that I learned from listening to your uh, discussions online that your the reviews of your books uh, were kind of leaned in the more serious scholarly direction. It, you're not you weren't the the account didn't make you sound like the ADL wants to make you appear the the Amazon account, but yet they still deleted you. For example, I think you mentioned on one podcast that I listened to that the Jewish Revolutionary Spirit had a lot of very serious um, comments. You know, yeah, well, it's a serious book. And the fact of the matter is that the ADL cannot tolerate serious scholarship. They are not in the business of saying, well, uh, you said on page 32 that blah, 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 and we really, no, they don't do that. They ban yeah. you. They yeah. are, they are uh, commiss they're not, they're not scholars, they're commissars. Commissars were the political arm of the Communist Party. They would be inserted into army units to make sure that the army was following communist policy, even if it had a disastrous effect on their military effectiveness. So that's what these people are. No group of people should have the power that the ADL has. No group of people. They have no one elected these people to be our rulers. No one uh, uh, is claiming they have any type of scholarly ability or or intellectual influence. It's pure political power uh, uh, suppressing uh, any position that they don't like. Folks, if you don't believe any of this, if it just sounds like crazy stuff that couldn't possibly have happened, you need to go Google it and find out. Because this scholar, this internationally recognized scholar who's been not just writing 40 books, but publishing and writing for a magazine that's published every month called Culture Wars going back decades. This uh, author was just without warning, just had his Amazon account uh, canceled. And Amazon is the platform for moving books today. There's yeah. no other, there's no it's, other platform. It's even more, it's, yeah, it's terrible. They have a monopoly position that they should not have. If you have a monopoly position, then you're a utility and you should not be the tool of a special interest group if you're the phone company. The phone company should not be listening in on your conversations. That's the situation we're in. Right. Uh, but but it's, it, it gets worse than that. There was, I did a, a, 
I did an ebook e uh, called Jewish Nazis. Now that's a provocative title, I agree, but it turns out it's a, a movie review. And the movie is called The Believer, which is about a Jew who became a Nazi. Okay, I didn't make this up. It's a, it was a real story. Some A Jew made a movie out of it. It was a believer and so on and so forth. And on top of that, Amazon is selling the movie, is selling the DVD. So I'm writing a review of a, of a, a movie that Amazon is selling, and they banned me for doing that. Yeah. This doesn't make any sense. The only sense it makes is that there are some people who are really upset about what is being said here, and they have no way of refuting it, and so they're going to flex their political power here and ban you. This is not what America was created to do. This is not part of the founding principles that we grew up under as Americans. And some of us would think, oh, he got banned because he's sort of your, a propagandist kind of thing. But most of us, you, he, you're not. Dr. Jones is not in any way, shape or form a propagandist. But people are so uh, they don't know who to trust anymore. And so they're trusting entity, entities like Amazon. Big mistake. And this this is an illustration of why it's a very big mistake for your own soul, for your own mind to trust Amazon or any big tech company or even government now. You should not trust these institutions coming out of the gate. Dr. Jones, even, even uh, so many millions of people around the church or around the world are now even extending this distrust to the church, to Christianity, to, right. to, to, the, to the religion of the West. doesn't right. matter whether it's Catholic or Protestant. Uh, we, people are learning now to distrust institutional Christian religion. Right. They? That's right. And there is a problem here. Okay, and the problem is you can throw the baby out with the bathwater. So let's let's go back to government. Okay, we have been subjected to decades of libertarian propaganda that government is intrinsically evil. That's false. Government is not intrinsically evil. Government is part of what we have to have as human beings because we are by nature social animals. Uh, Aristotle said, uh, anthropos fusei politikon zon. Man is by nature political animal. You could say that, but I think what he really meant to say was an, an animal that lives in cities because polis is the word for city. So we have to live with each other. We cannot live by ourselves. It's just not part of what it is to be a human being. And in order to live with each other, we have to have some type of arrangement that's, that makes that possible. And that's called government. And government has to be based on logos, on cert certain rules. Now, that's never going to change. We're always going to need government. So the point here is not to get rid of government because that will never happen. So what was the net result of libertarianism? Basically, they put the oligarchs in power. <laughs> they, they, they basically destroyed government as an entity that represents the people of the United States and put into power all sorts of oligarchic front groups. Yeah. Uh, and the big push that happened was big tech. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, we, it was a new technology. We didn't understand it. And suddenly, Google has more power than the state of Indiana. Yeah. That's clear. Salesforce has more power than the state of Indiana. The state government and local governments were the first to suffer in this regard. And the culmination, I've said this before, but the culmination was the Religious Freedom Act, Restoration Act in, in uh, Indiana, where they basically said, you know, you, don't, you can't have these homosexuals terrorizing you. 
Uh, the people have a right to be protected from that. And then uh, Mark Benioff of Salesforce shows up and tells the legislatures they have to overturn their law. Well, who gave this guy the right to overthrow the government of Indiana? That's precisely what happened during this period of time. And the struggle, the struggle we're engaging in right now is how do the people reassert control over the government that is supposed to represent them? How do we do that? That's the yeah. big challenge right now. Right. And that's the challenge that I've stepped up to accept at the age of 60 with 40 years of political experience in Maine. Uh, and that is to become governor, the chief executive, a constitutional governor who acts within the limits uh, provided for by the Maine Constitution. And uh, you helped you helped me understand when I talked to you uh, a week ago that the real that Maine is an occupied uh, territory. We we've we don't. It's not ours anymore. We've sold no. it off to these to these oligarchs. And you pointed out as an illustration that the lobster fishermen themselves can no longer afford land on the shoreline. Right. And they have to lobster fishermen have to travel 100 miles to, to fish. Yeah. And that gas keeps going up. It's a bad idea. But that's because uh, the oligarchs from New York City have enough money to come in and buy up all, all the, the prime uh, shorefront real estate. This yep. is a problem. There's a problem. Same thing with uh, Michigan. To give you an example, in Michigan, there's a beautiful island between the upper and lower peninsula called Mackinac Island. And uh, the cars are banned there. Uh, so it's it's like going back in time. Like, what would it have been like if we hadn't invented the automobile? And they have UPS, horse-drawn UPS wagons uh, there. And everybody gets around by bicycle. So it's great. But the question is, suppose you suppose uh, grew up on Mackinac Island. Uh, and you want to live on Mackinac Island because your family has been there for generations. Well, I guess you have to buy a house. Well, if you're buying a house on Mackinac Island, you're competing with billionaires. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and because they have the money to come in and they have the first dibs on property. They have the first call on land there because they have so much money. Okay. Now, it's complicated by environmental concerns. Yeah. And this is one of the major oligarchic initiatives right now, that what happened in Glasgow is a, one of the main brainwashing attempts on the part of the oligarchs saying, we're all going to die unless you do what we tell you about CO2 or something like that. All this mm -hmm. dubious stuff. Well, it's the same thing happens on Mackinac Island. So we're not allowed to cut down trees because, well, that's a good thing to have trees and Every uh, house has to be on a, a five-acre lot, and it's got to, well, wait a minute. You're cutting off the native population from ever living where they grew up. Yeah. You can see how this all, like it's a compilation of uh, ec ecological issues and usury finance uh, from New York City, and suddenly, wait a minute, we're all cut off. We're all living in occupied territory. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying Maine, in a sense, in many ways, is no different than Indiana, except you have a lot more picturesque shoreline than mm -hmm. Indiana does. You know, mm -hmm. we got a little bit on uh, Lake Michigan, but you've got that whole shoreline and that people love to be there and they mm -hmm. buy up the property. I'm there for two weeks during the summer and it's empty and the lobstermen can't fish. That's right. So true. So uh, I believe, Dr. Jones, that perhaps the issue that will make me governor is the sexual revolution and uh, Wilhelm Reich is a key figure in that. 
And I believe that's true because of what I've learned from you about uh, the sexual revolution. And that is that it is a political weapon. Most people haven't, even today, even though you wrote the book, what, 12 years ago, Libido Dominandi, uh, most people don't think of the whole sexual revolution or sex in general and pornography as a political weapon. But that you've proven to me way beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's true. I want you to talk about uh, Wilhelm Reich because you wrote the book on ultimate reality. He wrote the book titled The Sexual Revolution. And he didn't write it in Maine, but he has a deep connection to Maine. He actually wrote it in Germany. Tell us, tell us about Wilhelm Reich. Yeah, actually, it was Vienna. It was in Austria. Okay. Uh, he was a, 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 a Austrian Jew uh, who was a communist and a psychoanalyst. So he, he was a student of Sigmund Freud and a member of the Communist Party. And uh, so he was constantly trying to mobilize the population of Vienna. Vienna is like a cosmopolitan island in the middle of a Catholic sea. Uh, the Austro-Hungarian Empire was officially Catholic. Austria, even that rump part that was cut off after World War I, is still heavily Catholic. Uh, but there's a heavy Jewish population in the city, and those two groups are at war with each other. And they've always been at war with each other, and they were in war with each other in the United States of America as well. So there's nothing new in that regard. What is new is that he came up with a new weapon to attack the Catholic Church, and that was the weaponization of sex. So he found that when he tried to talk about, give a lecture on communism, nobody was interested. But anytime he talked about sex, people were interested. So he used that interest to kind of uh, a prurient appeal to that interest to encourage sexual deviance, uh, in particular masturbation. And so he goes, the, the crucial book is his uh, book uh, that preceded the sexual revolution. It's called The Mass Psychology of Fascism. And that was a manual on basically how to subvert the, the influence of the Catholic Church. That's what it's about. That's what was going on in Austria in the 1930s. That's what created the rise of Hitler in Germany at the same time, uh, because they had, had experience with the Jewish Bolsheviks who had taken over Berlin and Munich uh, after World War I. Not, nothing had changed. Nothing had been resolved. You still had the Soviet Union with all of its commissars and all of its influence uh, waiting just for another opportunity to take over Europe. So Reich said, uh, in particular, when it comes to talking to a seminarian, for example, don't debate the existence of God because you'll lose. Change, don't debate anything just changes behavior. If you get him involved in deviant sexual behavior, the idea of God will evaporate from his mind all by itself. You don't have to do anything. Well, guess when that happened? It happened in the Catholic Church after Vatican II with the sexualization of the Catholic clergy. Now, I've documented this in Libido Dominandi, uh, the story of the Immaculate Heart nuns in Los Angeles, where Carl Rogers got in there and basically destroyed the order by unleashing these sexual impulses in a convent where everyone had taken the vow of celibacy. Uh, Eric Erickson, he was a Jew, even though his, his name sounds like, he sounds like a Viking because of his name, but uh, he got involved too, and he came up with this the seven steps to to uh, maturity. And step six, I believe, is you have to have sexual intercourse, otherwise you're an immature person. 
Well, guess what? A celibate clergy is by definition immature. And so you got this guy, Eugene Kennedy, who's a marinal priest who gets the bishops to let, let me do a survey of the priest uh, based on Eric Erickson's uh, schema here. And you had uh, an incredibly demoralizing event in the history of the Catholic Church where you got Catholic priests and nuns saying, we're all idiots. We must be idiots. We're normal. We're abnormal because we're not having sex. Well, guess what? They're going to start acting out. Uh, most people will act out. Most people are homo heterosexual, so they more, they're going to act out that way. And so you had this beginning part where the priest would fall in love with the nun. This is they had these summer sessions at Notre Dame. It was like the love boat here, you know. And they walk hand in hand around. And suddenly they jump ship and they leave, or maybe they didn't jump ship and. We had uh, Richard McBrien, the late head of the theology department, who was living with a woman the whole time he was here as head of the theology department. But to his credit, Richard McBrien hated homosexuals. He just thought the homosexuals were taking over the church. And that brings us to the real problem, which is basically uh, the homosexuals have no reason to leave. You know, if you marry the woman and she gets pregnant, well, you're going to have a family and you can't, it's too, too visible. It's too natural. But the homosexual then becomes the fifth column within the Catholic Church. And that was what led to this huge crisis we have now. Uh, yeah. he, uh, pedophilia became a problem. Uh, uh, homosexuality, the, even the, pre, the homosexuals who are not pedophiles. I don't know how many homosexuals ask for a driver's license every time they have sex in a men's room. I, I don't think that happens. I think that pedophilia is part of homosexuality. Uh, and so as a result, uh, the same group of people, I'm talking about something, an entity like the Boston Globe that praised one of these priests for his innovative youth ministry, suddenly turns on them and accuses the church of harboring pedophiles. Well, it was the same guy. You praised him in the 70s, then the 90s, you come around and, and, and you attack. Well, this was a catastrophe for the church because they weren't vigilant. Uh, they weren't. Uh, they had these problems. They thought because of psychology that they could send these people away and cure them. And that turned out to be not, not true. But I, I had my own experience. There was a, a guy um, just down the street who was head of the liturgy program at Notre Dame. He was found shot to death in the basement of his house about two blocks away, uh, surrounded by whips and chains uh, homosexual pornography and automatic weapons. Uh, and it sounded to me like one of these, he picked up some guy and the guy killed him. It's not unusual in the homosexual demimond, but it cut completely shut down. So I wrote the article, shut down by the police department and Notre Dame. They work hand in glove here. Uh, and so I wrote an article on it. And then as it, luck would have it, there's, I'm at a conference with Cardinal Law of Boston hand him the article. Now, this is before the shit hit the fan in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. I hand him the article, you know, come down. He comes down the next day and I say, well, your eminence, what did you think of that article? He said, what good does this serve? Hmm. I, I, did I do something wrong here? I, I'm getting the impression I did something wrong here. Mm -hmm. uh, he says, all you're doing is airing the church's dirty laundry. <laughs> so that was that. Now, if uh, he had to leave uh, Boston in a hurry, because the police were after him. 
Mm-hmm. And he ended up hiding out in Rome and he died over there. Uh, and if I had a chance to meet him again, I would like to say, well, do you know now what good it might have served if you were taken seriously what I showed you? But that was typical. You know, they had to learn the hard way. Dr. Jones, the governor here, uh, her name is Janet Mills, and her family is one of the most powerful families in the state of Maine. And she's from the area in Maine where Wilhelm Reich landed after he left Austria. He came to America. And uh, he died, correct me if I'm wrong, but he died in prison. You told me that he uh, released radium into the, the environment in Maine over there where I call her, she's our current governor, Jezebel Janet Kills. So they released radium over into that area of Rain, Farmington Rangeley area, which is where his laboratory was. I, he, he, he had a theory and it included building some kind of contraption that had uh, that, that was called an orgasmo machine or something like that. Oh, an orgone box. Orgone box. And this, this all happened in Maine course nobody knows i guess there's a museum up there and there's you can go to the to the property i got to thinking i'm i did go to that property but it's empty now there's one building there but you can't see much mostly trees but it's probably uh, radioactive there if what you told me you should have taken a geiger counter <laughs> i should have i should have so this is main everything you're talking about dr jones um it it's here it's in maine it's connected uh Orgon through an Oregon box hey, to Blaine House, the went... governor's mansion, through the Mills family, and um, at least I, you know, it's connected at least in check on know, something culturally, and... sort of. Um, I don't know what her opinion is of Reich, but she's very pro-abortion. She's very pro-homosexual. She's a she's very really proud, as is her whole family, uh, both Republican and Democrat, of being socially liberal. So this this whole political profile sort of uh, is a, is a is a child, a grandchild, great grandchild of Reich's philosophy, or I, that's I'm being too kind of his ideology, right? Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, most most people uh, you just accept it because it's part of the atmosphere, and they don't understand how the culture ha- has brought about these changes over over this period of time. Yeah. So. Uh, it, it, I, I mean, I, I'm sure that uh, she would kind of look at you and say, what, who? Yeah. Uh, and pretend that she had never heard of Wilhelm Reich because she's an embarrassment now. Yeah. I, I think, I personally think that uh, his later career was influenced by syphilis. I think he, I think he contracted syphilis mm-hmm. uh, just from the, the, the way I've any Anyone who goes to a whorehouse during World War I has a good chance of contracting syphilis, and there's no cure at this point. There wasn't a cure until the late 40s when penicillin came in. So the problem with syphilis is that it oftentimes goes to your brain, mm-hmm. and you end up with these crackpot schemes, and you end up with this fascination with energy. Uh, it's in um, uh, Bram Stoker contracted syphilis. That's what Dracula is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dracula is about the the guilt that you f- that a man feels who has syphilis and infects his wife with syphilis, mm-hmm. and it's so hor- horrendous that you have to disguise it some way. And that's precisely it's a it's a crypto uh, description of what the guilt that you feel. The next book he wrote was The Lair of the White Worm. And that has all sorts of weird fantasies about electricity, 
Like, uh, and I've heard that when it attacks your nervous system, you have this sense of electricity flowing through your body. And I, I get the sense that this is what Reich was involved with, with this radium, with this really dangerous experiment of uh, releasing radium out there. Yeah. Eventually, uh, the, he got in trouble for selling the orgone boxes and the, the, uh, the FDA went after him and he ended up in Lewisburg prison with mm -hmm. all sorts of delusions of grandeur which is another sign of tertiary syphilis when it goes to your brain. Yeah. And so he had, when he'd see an airplane uh, flying above the prison, he'd say, this is general, uh, this is president Eisenhower. He's sending a plane that's going to rescue me and take me out of this prison. That was the type of thing he was thinking. Of. <laughs> now he is, he, the peak of his influence came in 1970 when he, he was dead by then. Uh, but he appeared on the cover of the New York times magazine. Mm-hmm because this was the end of the 60s. Uh, this was two years after the uh, revolution in Paris in May of 68, uh, when they actually threw actual copies of books, uh, Reich's Mass Psychology of Fascism, used it as a literal weapon uh, against the police. It was clearly inspired by Reich. And we've gone beyond that, okay? Because th this, this keeps moving on and on and on. But it's good to have this in mind because they, I'm, these people who are promoting this are now, you know, they're promoting homosexuality, promoting transgender, and they keep getting farther and farther away from human sexuality. That's right. Uh, and so it becomes more and more repugnant to the real normal people who are heterosexual and are only attracted if it's normal. So now you're way beyond normal, you know? Yeah. And so you've got this really strident ideology being imposed to a, a, a based on a minuscule group of people who are repugnant to the majority. So it's a great opportunity now for a representative government to take its revenge and say, look, we know what it was. It was always a form of control. Now you know that. You don't have to feel obligated to put part of this agenda anymore. Throw it overboard. Let's move beyond. It's over. I, I had an experience today, Dr. Jones, that illustrates the truth of what you're saying. Complete stranger. My mother... My mother's uh, car, because of the breakdown of the supply chain, has been out of commission for three months. So I, it, it, it had it's just gone on too long, and I decided we needed to replace the car. So we're at a used car dealership today. Didn't didn't know the uh, the owner from Adam. Never met him before in my life. I told him I was running for governor, and he described himself as a conservative Republican. And I could tell that he's one of these typical conservative Republicans who who's probably also a social liberal. So. To close my sort of pitch after I decided to buy the car from him, I said I gave him a card and I said, "Look, I'm not. I I am not asking for money in this campaign. I don't need money. I just need you to to take a serious look at what I believe, what I've written. It goes back 30 years on the online. All I'm asking you to do is take a fair and honest look at me, at at, at what I stand for politically and religiously, and." Uh, he was all too happy to do it, Dr. Jones. I mean, three or four years ago, he would have said, well, are you, how Republican are you? I mean, are you the kind of Republican who's going to lower my taxes? He didn't say anything like that. He didn't even seem to be concerned about that. He just started throwing F-bombs about the politicians who do their work about four miles from his business, from his used car dealership. He couldn't he couldn't stop using F-bombs. Um, so there's something changing here. And I, I think that my wearing the cross hat now and identifying myself with morality and religion is going to be a plus. 
I, I think it's going to be a plus next year. What do you think? Yeah, th th this is the moment. That's This is the moment yeah. that COVID has created a great moment for yeah. uh, re the return of representative government and the people and the governorship is a great way, to, a great place to start because it's the governors now who are pushing back against the uh, COVID agenda from Washington. Yeah. So we have the people like um, uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida and Governor Abbott in Texas, flawed though they are, but I mean, at least they're taking a stand. Uh, we have this most recent thing, which was the uh, governor race in Virginia, where um, Youngkins won. It was a pure culture wars battle from right. start to finish. It was the basic, basic bottom first step on the first rung on the ladder of representative government with school boards. Yeah. And the, the mother goes to this um, mother goes to the school board in Fairfax County and says, look, this is this is not just homosexual pornography, it's pedophile pornography, and it's in the school library. And they 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 <laughs> the really funny part is she puts a slide up of some young guy engaging in a sex act, a perverted sex act, and the guy, the, the library board says, no, we have children in the audience. Please don't show that. Oh, wait a minute. It's in the library. It's in the school library, you idiot. You know, and you put it there. And so yeah. they're, they're dumbfounded. They don't know what to do. So then Merrick Garland steps in, the attorney general, now says that mothers who go to school board meetings and question what they're doing is can be called domestic terrorists. Well, wait a minute. You guys are way overplaying your hand here. Stop. Yeah. Take a deep breath. And yeah. the, the, and then on top of that, uh, McAuliffe was stupid enough to say in the camp in the debate that he felt that parents uh, didn't have a right to say what goes on in the schools. Well, this is a novel concept, and he got caught. You know, they filmed the Republicans filmed it, and they played that, and he lost. Yeah. He lost. Now, you know, okay, that's great. The champagne corks are popping. It, Fox News, that, that's great. And I don't want to denigrate the actual gain. This was a good thing. This was a victory for representative government. These people did deserve to be thrown out of office. Okay, that's good. That's good. But that's the question is now, uh, are you going to once again, you, the Republican Party, are you going to once again take this mandate and piss it away on your own self-interest? Yeah. Because, okay, once the, the, you know, the euphoria, you wake up the next day, you got a little bit of a hangover from all that champagne and you realize, oh, wait a minute, Yunkin worked for the Carlisle Group. Right. <laughs> I would imagine you have more Carlisle Group people on the coast of Maine than you have in, in Washington. Yeah. These are the vulture capitalists that are basically the, uh, loading this country down with debt and using it to buy up all, all this property. Yeah. And then on top of that, he has... Uh, uh, in May, he issues a statement. What is he? What am I? I'm when I uh, get mayor, uh, become governor. I, this is what I'm going to do to fight anti-Semitism in Virginia. Well, wait a minute. <clears throat> I I didn't know there was a big problem with anti-Semitism in Virginia. I don't think there's a big problem here. I think the big problem is the ADL. When right. is someone going to fight the ADL? And their persecution, when are you going to talk about Jewish persecution of the Christian majority of this country? When are we yeah. going to talk about that? So, yeah. again, it's I'm glad that the, that uh, Yunkin won, but we have to go deeper than that. And deeper means representative government. So I'm saying, telling you, 
if you go up to the people and say, I will represent your interests, that's a big step in the right direction because anyone who gets elected immediately represents oligarch interests because they're the people that paid for the campaign. That's right. That's right. And I am. So, yeah, I, there's, I, I'm beginning to think this mantle is going to end up resting on me uh, in uh, 2023. And uh, I, you know, okay. I mean, I have grandchildren. I have strong beliefs that, are, that go back 40 years and in a professional capacity serving uh, as the leader of the Christian Civic League of Maine. I have experience. I have something to offer to the people of Maine that comes from both a religious and a political perspective. And it's up to them to make up their mind. It's up to them to make up them. That's, that's what it means to have a representative government, to run a, uh, a constitutional republic. So that's going to be my attitude. And uh, Dr. Jones, you've done more than any other thinker and writer to influence uh, my current political philosophy. I want to thank you for that. I can't wait to talk with the people of Maine about the Jewish revolutionary spirit. Uh, the book that you've written, because a takeaway for me, um, and we're going to wrap up real soon. I know you're a busy man, uh, at least. So um, one of the takeaways for me was uh, from that book, this is not the first time that this has happened, uh, what we're going through. And a lot of people think it is, but this overextension, this, this going too far that you just mentioned, it has a, you can find it in history. Uh, right. In, in many different points in history. And you detail that in the book. Don't right. The, the problem, again, goes back to Logos. I couldn't have written Jewish Revolutionary Spirit without the word Logos, okay? And Logos means order, it means principle, it means rationality, but it also means limit. So you've got a group of people that are in rebellion against Logos and have been ever since they killed the Logos incarnate. And they, be, they become revolutionaries. They're still revolutionaries. They are people who do not recognize limit. Now, a lot of times you can be audacious, you can be bold, and fortune favors the bold. We know that, you know, and, uh, but sometimes you can be too bold. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you overplay your hand. And at that point, the reaction sets in. And this is the problem that has plagued the Jewish people from the time of Jesus Christ. They overplayed their hand. They thought they had real political military power. They rose up against Rome. We're going to have our own state. We're going to have the revolutionists. And they got crushed. And the mm -hmm. temple was destroyed. And not only, they did it again 60 years later under Simon Bar Kokhba. And this time they really got crushed. Mm -hmm. This is the problem throughout yeah. history. The Jews yeah. get into a position of power. They overplay their hand. And then the reaction sets in. It's up to us to say, no, it's not simply a reaction. It's a course correction to bring us back to Logos, not to some type of revenge or whatever it is. It's yeah. back to Logos. And that's that's the type of uh, movement that we need. And I think that representative government is consistent with that. And I think this is the moment for the resurrection of, resurre uh, of representative government, especially on a, a local level or a state level. Yes. Amen and amen. And with that, I'm going to wrap up my questions and ask you to uh, let the viewers know where they can learn more, where they can uh, buy your books and uh, just anything else you'd like to say by way of uh, helping people connect with you. Yes, all uh, my books are available at FidelityPress.org. That's FidelityPress.org. Uh, 
And you can also subscribe to culturewars.magazine. You can go to culturewars.com uh, to do that. So either way, you'll if you do either culturewars.com or fidelitypress.org, you will get to the, the website, and there that's where all our material is available. Great. I've been talking with Dr. E. Michael Jones, for, who is uh, in Indiana, and uh, you're watching Mike Heath Live. Dr. Jones, thank you for taking time to be with me. God bless you. Thank you.